Hi, friend. Welcome to Holly's Highlights, a podcast designed to encourage, inspire, and equip you to intentionally live your life full of purpose. I'm your host, Holly Kirby, motivational speaker, leadership cultivator, marketing strategist, and personal cheerleader. Let's check out today's highlight. Today's episode brought to you by Moody Bible Institute. Thinking about going back to school? Moody Bible Institute offers you the flexibility to earn your online bachelor's or master's degree wherever you are. Study the Bible and theology with world-class professors. Interact with classmates from across the globe. Explore different class formats to make sure your degree fits your life. Your online Moody degree will prepare you for wherever God calls you, wherever you are now. Learn more at moody.edu forward slash online. According to CNN, Sonora Smart Dodd of Spokane, Washington, is credited with starting Father's Day after hearing a sermon on Mother's Day while attending church with her father. Dodd wanted to honor her father, William Jackson Smart, who was a Civil War veteran and raised six children after his wife died during childbirth. So as Father's Day approaches, it seemed appropriate to do a look at dads and their impact on children. Parent Circle lists 10 different reasons a dad could be a hero to their child, including teaching discipline, leading by example, teaching from their child's mistake, being reliable, never giving up on you, being a problem solver, a trusted advisor, a tough taskmaster, being fun, and wanting the best for his child. When I first read all of that, it resonated with me for sure. I grew up as a pastor's kid. As a child, my dad was that steady hand, one who truly led by example. Who you saw on Sunday is who I saw every day of the week at home. As a senior pastor of our church, I saw him as a leader up on that platform every single Sunday. I saw the people gather around him before and after church, and he seemed to just have a way with making people feel like they belonged and were cared for. And just from observing his schedule, I could also tell that many looked up to him and often confided in him. My dad has always been the so-called fun parent. You know, the one you wanted to go grocery shopping with because he would let you toss in that bag of cookies or sugar-filled cereal into the cart. The one who has always been known for his amusement and engagement, especially on April Fool's Day. Throughout my years, he always made time for us kids, good quality time, teaching me how to play football and softball and taking me to sporting events showing me how a man was to treat a lady as he'd take me on dates to ballets. And he's always been in my corner, from standing up for me, attending my plays. He's my rock, and even the one to give those priceless words that fill my cup. Holly, I am proud of you. Yes, my dad has been not only my hero, but in watching him selflessly serve others, be faithfully committed to my mom for over 50 years, and therefore to our family as a whole, he truly is my knight in shining armor. So today, it is not only an honor to share with you life lessons from my dad, but to welcome my dad. My dad, Dr. Jim Harding, was born and raised in Missouri, where he and my mom met at college. They were married before their senior year and celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary a few years ago, which is so rare today. I'm just, I'm so grateful for that. They have the three of us kids and then six grandchildren, all of whom reside in the Salt Lake Valley area. And my dad holds three college and seminary degrees. He was educated in Missouri, Texas, and California. He's a military veteran where he served four years with the U.S. Air Force, one in Vietnam. And dad is now retired after 35 years of full-time ministry. So 
Welcome, Dad. Thanks for being here on Holly's Highlights. Thanks for asking. So, Dad, as we honor fathers, who has been your mentor or your motivator? Well, a couple come to mind. One is my own father, and positively and negatively, he was a wonderful, loving, caring father, but he was a workaholic. And he was in ministry, and he was a denominational worker in Missouri, and therefore he traveled a lot throughout the state, and he was gone a lot. And though he loved me, no doubt about that, and loved my mother, he was just gone all the time. And so as I grew up and married and became a father, uh, high on my priority was not becoming a workaholic, even though it's pretty easy to do in the ministry or anything else for that matter. But his love, his care, his concern, uh, his genuine passion for people resonated with me, but also the reminder that I needed to place the family higher than my work. That, that was an important mentoring process in my life. A second one was a professor I met in my freshman year in seminary. Now, you'll laugh at his name. His name was Bobby Derryberry. <laughs> Dr. Derryberry, well, I need to tell you, I was not a good student in high school. I liked to play too much. I loved sports. In fact, I remember many years ago seeing a, a, a little uh, a, a cartoon, and it was a picture of a little boy in the classroom with his teacher, and the teacher was saying to him in the caption, No, Johnny, the seasons of the year are not baseball, football, and basketball. <laughs> that was pretty much me growing up, as I just played too much. And so I was not a good student in high school. I barely made it into college. But my freshman year, I found myself in this class with Dr. Derryberry. And he was, for some reason, convinced that I was his best student. That's how he treated me. Those are the kind of opportunities that he put before me was only as a best student would have. And finally, I decided, well, let's just see what I could do if I tried. And that was life-changing for me. Uh, I became a good student because of his confidence in me. And that gave me sort of a, a life ministry direction in terms of becoming an encourager and one who expressed appreciation with people. And so I would say my father and Dr. Derryberry were two of the most important people in my development. I like that. I still think that you do revolve around seasons, though. Your St. Louis Cardinals baseball team and your University of Utah football team. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> now, something I've always admired about you, Dad, is taking the hard times of life and turning it around to serve others and glorify God. Do you mind sharing with our listeners some of the challenges you've had and what you'd share with us as a result of those? Well, I haven't been through anything as difficult as many people that I've ministered to through the years. But everybody goes through something. And one thing I would point to is a number of years ago, I had a heart attack. Interestingly enough, my father had a heart attack at age 61 that took his life. I had a heart attack also at age 61, and fortunately, I survived it. Well, anyway, as I was going through the process after the heart attack, they put me in uh, a room uh, for an angiogram to run a wire into my heart and discover what was going on. 
And when they got in there, I was fully awake and I was looking at the monitor that the, the surgeon was looking at. And they found in my right, uh, right artery, right uh, coronary artery, they found a huge clot. In fact, it was so big, the, the surgeon looked at me and he said, you've got a large clot in your artery and I don't know if I can help you. Well, that got my attention. But as I watched the monitor, that, that thing that they had in my artery there, you could see it chipping away, eating away at that, at that uh, clot. And they were finally able to, to get it all. Uh, so after that procedure, they took me back to the room. And after a while, the surgeon came in and he looked me square in the eyes and he said, you are a very lucky man. And again, I thought about my dad had died at 61 and I was 61 and the surgeon was telling me I almost died. And I think uh, that gave me a whole new lease on life, a whole new perspective toward life. And so I began to, to focus on being appreciative and how I could express uh, ministry more effectively because I had a new lease on life. And I think that challenge was something I was able to turn around and use as a motivation uh, to be even hopefully more effective in my ministry. I look back at that time and I remember you sharing with us afterward that he had shared that with you. And and I think the word I would change in there is you are one very blessed man, as I know that you would agree with that. But I'm so grateful that God spared you and protected you and provided for you through that. Now, our family, as you know, gets a good laugh at my analogies as I'm prone to mess them up somehow. But dad, you've always had great phrases you use. So one of Allie's favorite, my daughter, is use your head for more than hanging a hat. And we like that one. But having served in full-time ministry for 35 years, there have been many things I've heard you share that we know have more meaning and personal life application behind them. So would you share with us some more insight on some of those quotes? And I'm sure you know some of the top ones I'm thinking of. Well, one of them I've said many times through the years, and I don't know if any of these are original to me or if I've read them in a book or heard a speaker share them. I, I don't know where they came from. But one of the things I've said often through the years is that God isn't the author of confusion. He's the author of clarity. And so often it seemed as people came to me for counsel through the years, they were so confused about which way to turn and what to do. And I never felt it was my job to tell them what to do, but rather to lead them to making a, a wise and, 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 and God-directed decision the best I could. But my belief, my fundamental belief was and is that God is not the author of confusion. If, if you're sincerely trying to do the will of God, you're not going to end up confused and ultimately flipping a coin in order to decide what to do. He is going to lead you to a point of clarity. If you continue seeking after him, you will have direction, which leads me to a second quote, and that is, if you want to know God's will for your life tomorrow, make sure you're in the center of his will for your life today. And so oftentimes that's what I would say to people who were confused is I'd say, maybe you don't know God's will for your life today, but just keep walking the best you can in the center of his will. And when it comes time for you to know what to do, what he wants you to do, you will know 
He's not the author of confusion, but clarity. He will give you the direction you need. Just make sure that every day you're in the center of his will. And if it's time for him to change your direction or adjust your direction, you will know it because you've been walking in the center of his will. And he's not the author of confusion. So you will know the will of God when it's time for you to know it. Another one is God's got us. And I know I've heard something similar. I know I've heard speakers say God's got this, but I like God's got us. And that's a fundamental belief that God does have us. He has us in fact, Scripture talks about us being in the palm of, of God's hand. As a child of God, once we place our faith in him, we become part of his family. We're one of his children, and he's got us. He loves us as a father, and he cares for us, and he provides for us, and he protects us. And so with the belief that God's got us, no matter what happens, I'm in the hand of God. God loves me. God's there for me. God will take this and use it in a special way if I'll just allow it. God's got us. I also like another one that you say of don't forget in the dark what God has shown you in the light. And I think all of those tie in with that one too of our fear sets in in the dark times or the unknown times that reflecting on God's blessings and his goodness that we've been able to see helps get us through some of those. Whether you originally said them or, or whether someone else did, regardless, you've lived out all of those. And I'm grateful for that, to be able to have those quotes that have helped me through times. But I've been able to not only have those quotes, but see you live it out, which which is huge. Not everyone has that. So often as a, a parent, I know we can feel like we have so much on our plate. And many adults want to head home and turn on the TV to rest. But I remember you always being actively involved whether it be coaching my brother's baseball teams or taking me to school or being at our events. I remember even one time you driving out of city to go attend a cheerleading event that, that my sister was involved in. So you've consistently been such a model example to fathers. What are some tips you would share or maybe words of wisdom you'd share to our fathers who are listening today? I think I'd share three things. And as a pastor and a preacher through the years, you'll appreciate that they're alliterated. They all begin with the same letter, so they're easy to remember. One of them is live for the Lord. Live for the Lord. Don't just say you do. Don't just go to church, but actually live for the Lord. C.T. Studd, who was an English missionary back in the late 19th and early 20th century, said something that has been very uh, popular through the years. My father used to say it all the time, and it's something I've said often, and that is, quote, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So live for the Lord. Second, love your wife. And I think most of us have heard about the greatest gift we can give our children is to love their mother. And I think when they see that, in our lives that resonates in their lives and also sets an example for them as they become parents. So live for the Lord, love your wife, and thirdly, lead your children. One of the things I have noticed increasingly through the past number of years, 
since I've been an adult and especially a parent and been in ministry and been trying to, to help uh, parents and families is too many families out there are allowing the children too much leadership in the home. They're working, striving, sacrificing to make the children happy, it seems. And yet what the children desperately need is a parent who leads them, who shows them how to do things more than just throw a ball, but leads them in terms of making decisions and making choices and, and, and growing up. It's, it's not the most important thing that our children are happy all the time. It's the most important thing that we are the parent God wants us to be in leading and growing and mentoring our children. Something I said now, back to the quotes from earlier, one thing I used to often say to parents is be the parent. Be the parent. Don't allow the children to lead the home. You're the one that God has placed as the leader in the home, as the parent. So be the parent. And sometimes that involves making tough decisions and making unpopular decisions. And sometimes a child running off and slamming their bedroom door because they didn't get from us what they wanted. But live for the Lord, love your wife, and lead your children. Those are the three main things I think I would say to fathers. That makes me think of in our recent Mother's Day podcast episode talking about being the mom. That all came from exactly how you and mom have raised us. I know you often would refer to Dr. James Dobson books. And in there, he had shared about setting those boundaries and structure and discipline because it actually makes the, the children feel safe and secured and loved. So uh, again, um, <laughs> I can kind of be a product of that, of, of you living that out and leading us kids. And yeah, we weren't always happy about it, but we always felt loved. We always felt secured and we always felt safe. So thank you, dad, for those tough times of leading us because it got us to where we are today. And I think that also the respect we've been able to have for you from that in that leadership has developed a friendship also. Of course, you are a leader of our home, but we are honored that you're our friend too, that you have selflessly, sacrificially loved us through that tough love too. Now, if you could go back and encourage, inspire, or equip yourself as a child, what would you say to yourself? You told me about this question some time ago, so I've had a little a little um, self-reflection in all of it, and it was good because I, I really had never thought about the answer to that particular question. I think I'd say a couple of things. I think one of the things I'd say is work on relationships. Uh, I'm an only child. I grew up in a neighborhood through my formative years where most of the kids there were either five years older or five years younger. So it was really easy for me to be kind of in my own little fantasy world. And I didn't have to work real hard on relationships. And I spent way too much time by myself. And I think I would have been a lot better off as I aged, uh, working more on relationships during those formative years, because it really was a struggle for me as I began to move into junior high and high school and then college. I, I didn't have some of the skills I, I needed to have and I should have had and I wish I'd have had. Uh, so I had to, I struggled during those years. 
So I, I would say work on relationships, work on building relationships and developing relationships, work more on that area. And then second, work more, play less. And I really did play way too much. I, I told you about when I went to college, I, I barely got into college because I wasn't a good student. And the main reason I wasn't a good student is, is I played too much. And so if I'd have learned to work more and play less, I think I'd have been better off there also. Thank you, Dad, for joining us today. If our listeners would like to connect further with you, how may they do that? Well, my email is jimjanh at yahoo.com. jimjanh at yahoo.com. Okay, that will be on our show notes also for you listeners. Thank you again for not only being here today, but for your godly leadership of our home, your faithfulness to mom, your counsel and intentional involvement in us kids, and, and now even our grandkids' lives, your servant heart, your love. I could go on and on and on. But basically, I am so proud of you and so grateful for you. Thank you for being my wise counsel, my rock, and my hero. I hope you know how much I love you. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this journey of life. I hope that today's highlight has been encouraging, inspiring, and equipping so you can go out and live your life full of purpose. I'd be honored if you'd take a moment to leave a review or better yet, subscribe. We can also stay in touch by joining my email list at hollycurby.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-C-U-R-B-Y.com. Until next time, make it a great day for a great day.